You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. On today's show, we are going to continue previewing the New York Giants 2019 opponents. Today, we will look at the Detroit Lions And as a guest a little bit later on, we will have Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, which covers the Lions very, very capably, you know, for the network. First, though, I wanted to to get you guys up to speed on some of the things that are going on at Big Blue View, some of the things that we've been covering. This is What If Week at the SB Nation flagship and what SB Nation has asked us to do, what SB Nation is looking at are scenarios. What if certain things had happened? How would other things have changed? What if certain guys had landed in other places? What if certain plays hadn't happened? You know, on and on. Anything you can think of in the world of the NFL, you know, what would have happened, you know, if if a certain event didn't happen or did happen? You know, and and when you come, when you think about the New York Giants, there are a lot of what if scenarios that jump to mind quickly. One that we posted at Big Blue View on Wednesday was what if the Giants had simply drafted Ben Roethlisberger at number four in 2004 rather than make the trade for Eli Manning. And there's a million different ways you can look at that particular scenario. The way that I chose to do that at Big Blue View was to look simply at whether or not Ben Roethlisberger would have succeeded in New York. You know, please give that a look. During We will also have other posts through... Uh, through the rest of the week, we'll be looking at the fairly obvious what if the Giants had selected Sam Darnold instead of Saquon Barkley in 2018 scenario. We will be looking at the what if the Giants had chosen Lewis Riddick as GM instead of Dave Gettleman scenario. And on Friday... Here on Valentine's Views Podcast, we will have special guest Patricia Trena join us, and we will discuss a topic that Patty and I have talked about previously, sometimes privately, sometimes in various podcast forms that, that we've done. That topic is, 
what if the Giants had not won the 2011 Super Bowl? With the idea behind that being what different decisions would have been made in terms of personnel, in terms of coaching, in terms of front office, in terms of the quarterback. So I, that's an interesting sort of fascinating what if scenario to uh, to debate. And and Pat and I will do that. Hopefully you'll enjoy that show when we get to it. Also wanted to remind you if you haven't listened to the show had Lindsey Jones of The Athletic on Valentine's Views podcast earlier in the week, and Lindsey and I discussed the idea of the dwindling fan access to training camps, traded some stories about about that. It's an interesting topic, interesting discussion. If you haven't listened to that show, please do so. So, uh, and that's pretty much uh, that the housekeeping stuff that I had for you in terms of what's going on here on the Valentine's Views podcast and at BigBlueView.com. With that said, let's get to the interview that I recorded with Jeremy Reisman of Pride of Detroit. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Pride of Detroit. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Detroit Lions as we look forward to uh, to the teams the Giants will play in 2019. Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you for having me. Hey, you know, Giants fans, uh, folks that uh, that read Big Blue View religiously, and, and every Giants fan should, of course, should remember Jeremy from uh, from a year ago when you, you did some really good uh, training camp work for us when the uh, when Giants and Lions practiced together and uh, I hope people remember that and, and appreciate what you did for us then. <laughs> yeah, that was no problem, no problem. It was fun kind of keeping track of another team's backup quarterback uh, battle because that seemed to be what most uh, Giants fans were interested in at the time. Well, you know the the. Uh, the weird thing is, Jeremy, you get so tunneled in sometimes on the on the team that you cover that that you think sometimes the issues are bigger than they are, and 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 you have to step back sometimes and realize that that there are you know there are other NFL teams that that have the same issues or bigger exactly. issues sometimes yeah. too. So it, it is kind of fun to take a step back and and look at another team every so often. And and you know, from a Giants perspective, that's actually what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the Detroit Lions, the Giants, and the Lions play. I think it's uh, I think it's week eight in Detroit. It'll be interesting to see. You know, these are these are both teams coming off you know seasons that I don't think the fan bases were incredibly happy with. Giants five and eleven. Lions went six and ten. We'll see what kind of shape both teams are in at the in the middle of the season. Let me start with this for you Jeremy you know the offseason program OTAs is over with we've seen the draft we've seen free agency you know coming off of all of that do you feel optimistic about the Lions you know as we head to training camp or are you you know feeling pessimistic like this might be another you know struggling season for Detroit uh, I'm actually oddly feeling a little optimistic, and I know that doesn't sound odd when you're talking any fan during the offseason. Everyone's feeling a little optimistic, but I tend to be a little more guarded, I think, in, in my optimism surrounding the Detroit Lions, considering their, well, their their 70-year history <laughs> uh, in the past, you know, uh, basically ever since I've been alive, the team has struggled. But um, 
they, they finished on a, on a fairly strong note, especially defensively. And I really think they, they were aggressive this year addressing that defense. Um, and, and obviously they made some big changes on offense with the change at offensive coordinator. So, um, I, I, I am optimistic that this team is going to be a lot more competitive this year. Um, the challenge I think with the Lions is, is both their schedule and a really, really tough division with, I think, I think basically you can make an argument that anyone in the NFC North could, uh, compete for a playoff spot in 2019. So for folks who aren't familiar, who don't, you know, follow the Lions, you know, on a day-to-day basis the way that that you guys do, tell us what change the Lions did make, you know, at offensive coordinator and and what what that could mean, you know, for them going into 2019. Yeah, I think the the main thing that happened there was was Matt Patricia basically got someone more in line with his ideals which is establishing the run kind of controlling the tempo of the play not necessarily abandoning the passing game and and just being a hard-nosed running team but just being able to kind of utilize that to to keep the opposing defense off the field to run clock when you need to run clock and and basically just kind of control um how you want the game to go and so there has been a lot of talk about this team developing more of a running game and it's something that this team has struggled to do since Barry Sanders era so um, we, we saw Carrion Johnson have a, a pretty promising rookie year um, before he suffered his injury he averaged over five yards a carry um, they, they brought in CJ Anderson uh, they, they added a ton of different uh, tight ends that are that's probably going to help both in the running and the passing game and so you're really going to see this team that is a little more committed to the running game and um, in their hopes is to finally be a, a top 10 rushing attack, which is something we haven't been able to see, say about a Lions offense in quite some time. As you said, Jeremy, you know, Matt Patricia is entering his second year with the Lions, his second year as an NFL head coach. You're, you know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, the Giants had a head coach opening at the same time the Lions did. Mm-hmm. And Patricia was a guy that, that there was a lot of speculation that he would come to the Giants, uh, you know, chose to uh, to go to Detroit, where I believe you know he had a, a a New England connection, you know, with with the general manager. Yep. But your your thoughts on Matt Patricia as an NFL head coach as he enters his second NFL season? I think this year is going to be really telling for him. Uh, first year definitely had his uh, his bumps and bruises. Um, not only on the field, but obviously there were a lot of stories that came out last year about his contention with the with the media. A couple little spats here and there. I think he's learned a lot from that. He's he's already kind of shown that he's a little more open and honest and and personable with the media. Um, but um, I mean, ultimately, it's going to come down to um, results on the field. And say what you will about Patricia, but he's very stubborn in his beliefs. Um, whether it's how he manages a, a locker room or um, some would say he's a little bit too stubborn with the running game. Um, you see with an era of, of passing offenses like the Chiefs and the Rams thrive in this league, he's still kind of banging the, the table about establishing the run and, and, and all that sort of stuff that I mentioned previously. Um, in some instances, it works. The, the Patriots are a great example of that, but it's very hard to replicate, as we've seen, what the Patriots do elsewhere. Um, but it's something that Matt Patricia really staunchly believes in, and uh, it's going to cause him to sink or swim in, in, if not this year, then next year. It's always, you know, a fascinating thing to watch. We've seen so many 
New England assistant coaches, you know, move up, get head coaching jobs, you know, sort of based on the on the theory that well, if anybody can replicate what the Patriots do, it should be someone that's worked for Bill Belichick. You know, bring a little bit of that that New England, you know, type of 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 theory, you know, to whatever team, you know, is is hiring these guys, but it doesn't always work. We've seen it we've seen it fail a lot of times where, you know, because I think one of the things that people have to do is people have to be flexible and and be willing to uh you know, to change their system based on circumstance. Is there any worry that, you know, at this point that Patricia will be maybe the next, you know, former New England assistant to to fall by the wayside as a failed head coach? I, there's definitely a, a concern about that, sure. I mean, the the first season is, is definitely an example. We're talking about a, a Lions team that was 9-7, and seven, two straight years, and then he comes in and, and brings them to 6-10 and 10 immediately. Um, he's already under fire at this point. Um, I, think, I think the things that maybe are working in his favor are, one, he has a franchise quarterback, which a lot of these past Patriots teams or Patriots cast-off coaches didn't have. And then the other thing is that he's been on the same page with the general manager as you manage as as you mentioned there's a connection there with Bob Quinn. They worked alongside for years in New England. They very much see things through the same lens. Um so in essence they're going to sink or swim together. Um but having that sort of harmonious relationship between coach and GM is something that not every team has and certainly not every uh past Patriots coach has had in the past. Uh, I think the main question here is just whether it's going to work because, yeah, we have seen a little bit of stubbornness, as you mentioned, of, in his ways and that he hasn't really done a lot of hires outside of his comfort zone for the longest time. All of the assistant coaches, the position coaches, they all had some sort of link to either the Patriots or Matt Patricia or oddly Syracuse, just like the same group of people. The one exception, though, was the hire of new offensive coordinator, coordinator Daryl Bevel. Now, he's still kind of goes in line with Matt Patricia's main line of thinking, but it's his first kind of venture outside of his comfort zone in terms of coaches. And I think that's a positive sign for the Lions. All right, let's, uh, let's change gears just a little bit. And we will talk about what I want to ask you about next is the Lions draft class. I was really interested in the, uh, in their selection of, of tight end TJ Hawkinson in the first round, your thoughts so far, you know, out, coming out of the spring on Hawkinson and, and the giant and the, uh, the lions draft class overall. Yeah. I I'll answer the second one first, because I think it's a, it's kind of interesting. You know, the draft is tends to be the, you know, the, we joke about it being the Lions super bowl because it's the only time of year we can truly be excited about the team. And this year kind of did not deliver, at least early on, because um, the Lions have obviously gone through some troubles in drafting a tight end early in the draft. Um, Eric Ebron didn't work out. A couple of years back, they, they did uh, Brandon Pettigrew, a um, couple first-round tight ends, and, and there aren't a lot of first-round tight ends that get drafted. The Lions happen to now have done two in the, first, in the top ten just in the past decade. Um, so he wasn't necessarily a popular pick uh, again, uh, in Detroit, but... So far, I would say in OTAs and minicamp, from what I've seen, he, he's delivered. Um, it's kind of hard to tell exactly how good of a blocking tight end he's going to be when there's no pads on or anything, but he's very much going to be a, an integral part of this offense as a receiver. Um, we saw him being used a lot in the red zone um, and, and basically to stretch the field, too. And 
with the addition of Jesse James also in free agency, it's it's clear that the Lions did not like their their tight end class from last year, uh, and they're doing everything they can to fix it, which makes sense under this kind of new run-focused heavy offense that they're trying to implement. But then they go in the next round and get Jelani Tavai, linebacker out of Hawaii, a guy that most draft experts, uh, you know, at least in the media, had it as a, as a day three pick, a, a round five to seven guy. And and so that had a lot of people turning their heads, especially since linebacker wasn't that big of a perceived need. There were a bunch of cornerbacks still on the on available at their pick that a lot of Lions fans thought they should have gone with. So it this draft was really a tough sell. For, for Bob Quinn and, and the Lions on their fan base because it didn't quite address all their needs and and not exactly the ones that they wanted. Um, another position that kind of went undrafted here was was guard. And with the Lions losing TJ Lang um, this offseason, almost everyone expected them to draft a guard in the first two days of the draft, and they ended up not drafting one at all. So um, I, I think people were pretty lukewarm on this draft. I do think it's starting to turn around a little bit based on what we're seeing. Um, again, the Lions went defense heavy picking a defensive player with four of their first five picks so um i, I really am expecting a, a, a turnaround on the defense eventually if not right away this year but um it, it's still kind of a, a draft class that we just you, we have to wait and see what exactly their plan was because it, it wasn't exactly apparent on draft day this is this is unbelievable for giants fans jeremy a, a, a <laughs> fan base that actually questions the decisions made by its general manager. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unheard of. Well, you, you become conditioned as a Lions fan to question everything at this point, I think. All right. You know what I want to do right now? I want to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. We'll take a minute to, to hear from them. Then we'll come back, and I want to talk about some specific players with you, players that, that are on the Giants and players that are now on the Lions who used to be Giants. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on Big Blue View Radio. I'm Ed Valentine. I'm here talking with special guest Jeremy Reisman of SB Nation's Pride of Detroit, which covers the the Lions very, very capably. And what I want to do right now is turn the focus to some individual players, some guys who, who played for the Giants, uh, previously and some and 
a former Lion who now plays, you know, in New York as far as expectations. So, Jeremy, let's start with let's start with Damon Snacks Harrison, who was traded to the Lions last year, is a wonderful player. But, you know, it's my understanding at this point that Snacks, you know, skipped mandatory minicamp, that he's making noises about wanting a, a new contract from the Lions. Just your thoughts on on Snacks wanting a new contract and actually what kind of player he is for Detroit. Yeah, the whole contract dispute is, is something kind of new for Lions fans. And, and you can tell because they're not happy right now um, between him and also uh, their star cornerback, Darius Slay, both of which have two years remaining on their contract. And I think that's really the sticking point with fans um, is, is really kind of off-putting. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, wait, wait your turn. Um, it's, it's OK to do this when you got one year left remaining on your deal. But with two years, you're being kind of greedy. I'm not sure I'm in that camp. Um, it's definitely unorthodox, but with the upcoming CBA agreement and the NFLPA director telling its players, hey, prepare for a lockout, it kind of makes sense for both Damon Harrison and Darius Slay to ask for a little more guaranteed money because I think that's the main sticking point. Neither of those guys have any remaining money left on their deals. They want just a little bit more financial security over the next couple of years. Um, so I get it. Um, from the Lions standpoint, it puts them in a tough position because last year Damon Harrison was dominant. As, as I'm sure you guys are all aware of, the guy is just a run-stopping machine. And if you look at the stats, they're un, unbelievable for the Lions. They were one of the worst run defense teams uh, over the first half of the season. And then Snacks immediately turned them around, and they were a top-five run defense in the in the final you know two months of the season. So I think you know he's kind of got the leverage here. If if the Lions um, can't get to an agreement with Damon Harrison, they're going to be in a little bit of trouble. And we've already maybe seen them do a little bit of damage control because now they're they're interested in, uh, I think it's Demata Peko, um, the guy out of Denver and, and Cincinnati, nose tackle, also a really good run defender. Certainly not on the level of Snacks, but uh, definitely a guy that they're like, well, if, if, if we can't come to an agreement with Snacks, then then this is a guy that maybe we have to rely on. So um, I, I, I'm curious if that's, I mean, they haven't signed the guy yet, but they've shown interest in him. And you have to wonder if that's if that's a snacks insurance or if that's a snacks when he's tired. That's the guy that goes out there, and uh, it'll it'll be interesting to think see how things unfold over the next two months because the lines typically don't make extensions until the end of training camp or towards the end of training camp. I'm not sure if they're going to be willing to wait that long if snacks is sitting out the beginning of training camp, but uh, we'll see if Bob Quinn ch- changes his ways a little bit. It's a tricky situation with Snacks, I'm sure, because Giants fans know how good of a player he is against the run. You know, I don't think there's anybody better at at what he does, but he is still a 350-pound man who's 30 or 31 years old at this point, you know, who's had some knee trouble in the past and really doesn't give you anything in terms of pass rush. So it's a really tricky situation. You know, and I'm sure you're more curious to to find out how the Lions handle this, handle it than I am. But uh, you know, but but it's one of those deals that I'm I'm kind of amused to watch from afar. Yeah, and I can see why. I mean, especially it, maybe it puts a little bit more into perspective why it only costs the Lions a fifth round pick to to get a guy like him. Um, I don't know if the Lions had any idea of of a potential holdout uh, in the in the upcoming year. But uh, the, the one thing I will say is that the Lions 
are a perfect landing spot for for snacks. I think um, they they value stopping the run probably more than a lot of other defenses do. And in terms of his scheme fit, he's he's absolutely perfect for for what the Lions. Uh, are looking for you think back to the good Patriots defenses when Matt Patricia was a defensive coordinator you think a guy like Vince Wilfork and that's exactly who Snacks is in in his defense when he's in Detroit so um, I I think ultimately the lines will shell out for him Um, he's already kind of expensive but in terms of like every defensive tackle um, he's certainly not getting as much as as the pass rushing defensive tackles of the world Um, but like I said I think the Lions value that run defense just as much maybe not just as much as the pass rushing defensive tackles, but but very much close to it because it is kind of essential in his scheme. I'm also a little bit curious if you guys pay much attention to uh, to snacks on social media because he's uh, <laughs> he, he's definitely an opinionated guy, and I'm kind of wondering how that plays in Detroit. Uh, I will say it's not been working in his favor. Um, the fact that he's so <laughs> blunt about his contract situation um, when Lions fans are already kind of iffy on on whether he should get an extension um, certainly turns a lot of people off. And there are certainly, you know, a group of people like myself that kind of appreciate that sort of honesty. It's something that you don't really see that often. And I don't think he's hurting the team necessarily by just talking about what he wants and, and why he wants it and, you know, why he thinks he's so valuable to, to a team, how, you know, a run stuffing guy like him can help, can help you get into third where you rack up those sack numbers. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look across the league, anybody who's kind of a big talker like that and speaks bluntly uh, tends to have quite a lot of bit of enemies. And, and while people in Detroit absolutely know the guy's value on the football field, I think they're starting to get a little frustrated with him on social media. Yeah, I, I I can understand that. So let's let's talk a little bit about a couple of guys who uh, a couple of other guys who went from New York to Detroit last year. Uh, one guy is Romeo Aquara, who had you know far more production I think than anyone saw coming, and the other one is Devon Kennard. Just your uh, you know your thoughts uh, on on those two players yeah it's it's interesting both those guys kind of had career years in Detroit and I don't necessarily think that says anything negative about the Giants I think it just talks to fit um both those guys are 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 solid but kind of unspectacular players um Okwara kind of plays that closed defensive end position where he's expected more to be a run defender and and make sure that nothing gets kicked out to the outside. He contains the quarterback um, to make sure they don't scramble outside. And in a division when you have to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year, that's very valuable. Um, and so he, he did pick up um, a quite a few sna- sacks this year, but they were kind of more of the, the cleanup variety that you know, the, the guy isn't a, a pass rushing phenom or anything like that. He's not going to be the next Ezekiel Ansah in Detroit or anything like that. But he's just kind of like a solid player. And he turned out to be extremely valuable. Um, he actually played more defensive snaps than anyone else on the team. I think it was almost 72% of the time. Um, so he turned out to be extremely valuable. Um, earned himself two more years in Detroit um, thanks to some solid play. But again, unspectacular play. So. At this point, I think he's going to be a rotational player now that the Lions signed Trey Flowers to kind of play his position, um, and they're hoping that he'll be a little more efficient in kind of a, a backup role, a replacement role. Um, as far as Devon Kennard, they obviously uh, valued that guy a lot in free agency. They gave him a three-year deal. Um, he He's also kind of unspectacular, though. Again, a lot better stats than he had in New York. I think he had eight sacks last year. Um, but he's actually not a great pass-rushing a linebacker. He's he's really more of a coverage guy 
And and I think what the Lions value in him is just kind of his versatility. He can drop back into coverage. He's a pretty good run defender. And then he can pick up sacks on occasion when he needs to. And, and that's what they're looking for in that position. The Lions did draft a guy, Austin Bryant, out of Clemson in the fourth round that might be his eventual replacement. But I think for now, Devon Kennard's got that spot locked down as a starter for probably the next two years. That's interesting to hear you say that and to describe Kennard that way because that's really the Giants used him more as a as a two down linebacker and more as a guy, you know, who they had put his hand in the dirt and try to rush the passer from a defensive end spot. And they largely took him off the field in passing situations. So it's interesting how in different systems, in different schemes, you know, guys evolve in different ways. Yeah, and I, I think uh, I actually just wrote a piece on Kennard, and I believe he was the eighth best edge rusher in in pass coverage last year, and and that's something that that's important to the Lions uh, to have a three down linebacker like that, um, especially when you have a young linebacker next to him and Jared Davis, and they drafted another linebacker to vie. Um, having a guy that can beat that guy every every down. Um, is, is important, especially when uh, when you got some young, uh, unexperienced players playing right next to him. All right, Jeremy. Now, the last guy that I have to ask you about is one who the Giants signed, you know, this offseason as a free agent. We know the Giants traded Odell Beckham, you know, to Cleveland, and, and some Giants fans are still, you know, getting over that and still, you know, trying to to stomach why the Giants would sign, you know, a veteran guy like Golden Tate, who theoretically is a slot guy that kind of duplicates what Sterling Shepard can do. But, you know, you guys in Detroit are very, very familiar with Tate. You know, Detroit traded him to Philly in the middle of last season. But Tate's a guy who had, I think, four straight seasons of 90-plus catches Mm -hmm. in Detroit. What are the Giants getting both in terms of a player on the field, you know, in your mind, in terms of what he's got left in the tank and the kind of person that he is? Um, I, I honestly haven't seen Golden take take a take a step back yet. Um, it, it's funny because w- one of the things we do in the offseason is kind of during our podcast, we, we review each game and. It's it's kind of been a pleasure going back and watching the first half of the season, um, seeing Golden Tate on the team because he was making just as many plays as he ever did um, with with the Lions in his four and a half years here, and and that's just it. You're getting a playmaker. You're getting a guy who can make plays once the ball is in his hand. You look at the Pro Football Focus stats. He's broken more tackles than any wide receiver in the past five or six years. Um, he has more yards after the catch than just about any other NFL player over the five or, past five or six years. Um, the guy's just, he's so shifty. He's so smart um, with how to use his blocks, with how to slip between defenders, um, and his short distance speed is still there. So um, basically what the Lions did was just get the ball in his hands in any possible way they could. Um, he's not going to be a, a, a downfield guy. He's not going to be a guy that beats uh, you know corners over the top or anything like that, but slants, screens, um, you know, Basically anything that that can get him the ball within the first five yards of scrimmage, he's capable of taking it much much longer than that. And so, um, Giants fans should be excited, even even if he's kind of prim- primarily that slot position, and and maybe the lines or the Giants were kind of already set there. Um, this is a guy who can just make plays, and he won several games for the Lions over his 
his four and a half years here. Um, and, and I don't, I don't like to put wins on one guy's shoulders, but there's no doubt in my mind that the Lions probably would have lost at least seven or eight more games had Golden Tate not been on the team during that four-year stretch. That's good to hear. I mean, there's you know there's some concern about his fit with Sterling Shepard. There's a little bit of concern about his age, and I think the fact that his his number of receptions dropped a year ago. But I my guess is that that has more to do the number of receptions dropping just with with maybe with a change in offenses in Detroit, and then with a change you know, in moving to Philly and learning that playbook and and trying to fit in over there. Yeah, that's what I would think. I think a lot of people underrate how just how difficult it is to to make a a big change in the off in the middle of the season like that. It's why, generally speaking, we don't see a ton of trades midseason at the trade deadline in the NFL, because it, it just takes a long time to learn a new offense, to learn a new offensive scheme and to develop that chemistry with your quarterback. Uh, if we're talking about a wide receiver. So yeah, and a midseason trade like that for Golden Tate, it, it's a tough sell um, for, for Eagles fans. I don't think it was the right move at the time. Um, it was certainly a tough sell for, for Lions fans who thought they were the team was still in it at that point in the season. But it, it really probably hurts Golden Tate most of all because um, going into a contract year, um, he who's forced to uh, change offenses in the middle of the season. And yeah, his productive productivity Definitely took a hit, but I think that says more to the situation he was put into rather than the player himself. All right, Jeremy, thank you very, very much for that. Thank you for spending some time with us today. Uh, just, uh, you know, we're looking forward to uh, to seeing you guys in the middle of the season. Hopefully it means something for both of us. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I- I'd hope that both teams were at least mathematically in it at that point in the season. Well... I think, you know, from a Giants perspective, who's playing quarterback at that point in time will tell you something. (laughs) That's probably very true. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll talk to you uh, probably before that game, uh, you know, in, in the middle of the season. Sounds good. All right, Giants fans, our thanks to Jeremy Reisman for spending some time with us, for talking about the Detroit Lions, for giving us his viewpoint on some of the former Giants who are playing with the Lions, you know, for, for telling us what uh, what he thinks we can expect from Golden Tate, who spent several very productive years in Detroit. As always, we remind you to please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio and all of your favorite podcast applications. Join the community at BigBlueView.com if you haven't done so already so that you can comment, join the discussion you know, with other fans that love the New York Giants and, and want them to succeed. Uh, as always, we, we thank you for listening and we hope that you will continue to do so. All right, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 
from data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts.